Welcome to Mindless Midlife Musings of the Anime Nerd. I'm Rick, and with me as always are Vic and Brian. Today marks the launch of this podcast, and we're talking about what happened with anime. It went from a niche underground nerd fandom and evolved into a massive multimedia industry juggernaut that is now literally everywhere. And it certainly feels like we've been fans forever, and suddenly, I don't want to speak for you guys, but I'm completely lost and feel stuck outside the fandom most of the time. So what just happened? Gentlemen? I like the fact that you said we're always, and it said, this is the first episode. <laughs> you're always with me. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't be here part. if it weren't for you guys. They're like, you know what? No lies have been told. No lies have been told so far. Yeah. We've been friends since grade school. I figure you're always with me. I think that's important to say, to state that fact that we have not just fallen into anime. We've yeah. been here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> before we before it even had a name yeah before i remember it being known as japanimation japaname <laughs> you know all the uh you know all the various names that it had adult animation uh god so yeah. many weird ones yeah yeah it, that we had to actually give it a, a like a pronoun to say <laughs> it was japanese anime or Japanese animation. Now people like anime. You're like, cool, yeah. I will leave it alone. <laughs> it's true, yeah. Everybody these days knows it. They know it by name. They they understand exactly what they're getting into with it. But yeah, I mean, for us, it was. Did you see that cartoon? And and everybody's like, oh yeah, I totally watched that. That was different. Yeah, sure was. <laughs> Um, I, I guess it's a, a little bit of backstory on us is probably a good idea. Um, we all grew up together in South Florida, and I don't mean South Florida. I mean the South, South Florida, like South. the Southest Florida, the Southest Southingly, Southed yeah. Florida you could possibly South before before you hit an island, like we're as South as it got. Yeah, any further South and you're in the water. Yeah, so any further South, you're in Cuba. <laughs> <laughs> So we um, we had a unique experience growing up together because of where we lived. Uh, Miami, Florida being such a melting pot of society and cultures that you would think that it would have been a lot easier to get this kind of stuff. But boy, you could not be further from the truth on that one. Anything way uh, harder. Yeah. Yeah. So I think maybe we can start by kind of talking about uh, what what animation was like for us there? I mean, we're all children of the seventies who grew up in the eighties and entered adulthood in the nineties. So we are the, the first audience I would like to say, probably the first audience for anime. I would, I agree. I would say the first audience per se, but as far as uh, us viewership, quite possibly. Definitely. On the first um, for sure. And we're talking about like stuff like uh, not even like Google. We're talking about like uh, what was, who are the I guess Battle Beyond the Stars. Am I saying that one right? Yeah, you're talking about uh, Yamato, right? But back then we we called it like Star Blazers, and then right. there's Battle Battle of the Planets, which was uh, which was also known as G Force, and then yeah, Gotcha Man, <laughs> right, right. I remember in. Uh, Rick and I have a, a very um, unique history where we both lived in Spain. And one of the things about living in Spain is that uh, we lived on a military base and you did not actually have access. The only thing you had over there was Spanish, you know, <laughs> Spanish, Spanish media. So yeah. unless you brought it over on VHS, you it was very viewing hard to get new stuff. But I remember the first anime that I actually watched was Har Captain Harlock. Nice. Captain Harlock. Yeah, I didn't hit Captain Harlock until a little later. I think back when, when I was in Spain before uh, before it all, the oldest thing I remember was like those... Um, and I don't remember the name, and maybe a, a listener or somebody can help me out with this. But it was a it was a a dog that was a three musketeer kind of character, and that was probably. And I used to watch it in Spanish. 
uh, that was probably the first thing I ever watched that I, I'm fairly certain that was an anime. Because uh, so, it just wasn't, you know, the usual Saturday morning cartoon flair. But, oh you know, Ast- <laughs> Astro Boy, Astro Boy was another one that right. uh, that was pretty, pretty clear. And, and of course, everybody who grew up in our era knows Speed Racer. Everybody. Yeah. Everyone. But it, so, was, yeah. it was interesting uh, how Captain Har- it, it, and I think about it, Harlock was just the way it fell into our our into my viewership on my radar. It was weird. Again, I was living on a military base in Torrejon Air Force Base in Madrid, Spain. And somebody from the States brought over a VHS and I was watching the VHS and that that means that had to come from Japan over <laughs> to the States back to here. <laughs> <laughs> that VHS had been on a journey. Yeah. It seemed things. <laughs> it went through custom. It was X-rayed. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you what did you think about Captain Harlock? What was it about that that resonated with you that made me, that made you think, holy crap, this is this is different. Deep down, I always loved. It was the ship, the Yamato, right? That was the, that was the name of the ship, right? Yeah, I think his ship was the was his the Yamato or oh, the Arcadia. It, I don't remember now. Was it the Yamato? Or was it the Arcadia? Arcadia, Arcadia. I think it was Arcadia. So the Arcadia was basically a. It looked like a World War Two diesel submarine, and they <laughs> put jet engines on there. <laughs> on the back of it <laughs> I was like that's my bitch <laughs> I just looked it up too I cheated yeah it was definitely the Arcadia oh good there yeah, you go Vic's gonna be our fact finder uh, for this episode <laughs> so, so, so the second thing about it was I loved his sword it was a it looked like a rapier but it had a cannon at the end of it so, you know, in sword fighting, next to the hood to point and shoot somebody. I'm like, a gun blade. Way yeah, before. Yeah, way before Final Fantasy did yeah, it. Yeah, way before Final Fantasy did it. <laughs> Captain Harlock had it. Yeah, it was great. I mean, I, I, I think the first, I think one of the things that made anime different about, uh, or for us back then, is it was the uh, serialization of it. How, yeah, you technically had to watch it in order or you're missing yeah. huge parts of story. Exactly. Yeah, cartoons like He Man. It was episode to episode. Didn't matter. There was no overreaching story arc. You you could watch any episode, pick it up, and be fine. Yeah. Whereas like Harlock or or, um, or Go Lion, Voltron to all of us mm-hmm. uh, Americanized nerds, it was like you had to watch, or you had no idea what the hell was going on. Yeah, and even Voltron was written in a way where you could watch it out of order, but if you miss too much, you'll miss something further down the line. But then you had yeah. other shows like, oh, God, uh, growing up blank now, but other shows where you absolutely had to watch everything in order, like in Robotech. Yeah. When, yeah. And that made it over here. And, well, we're not going to discuss Harmony Gold right now, but... If, uh, <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. The fact that, you know, if you missed an episode, you missed 20, you know, 24 minutes of story. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like that that was what made... It different. It, I think the, the Japanese were were less afraid to engage with their audience. Uh, Americans, uh, in my experience, uh, have this tendency of wanting to keep their kids kids, so they're afraid to engage them with storylines about heavier material. I mean, that it wasn't until they passed that law in the '80s that they had to start including a, a point to cartoons, other than selling you a toy. Yeah, so, <laughs> it wasn't until then that you got the. And knowing is half the battle stuff. That's a um, that's a very interesting point. I like that that point about the uh, selling a toy. Well, yeah, I mean that's all it was, right? That's all what American cartoons were. They were just selling toys. So this Pretty is much. my first then versus now. Yeah, my first one. In America, we had to deal with the whole marketing ad. Matter of fact, there are so many videos about the. About what was the purpose of this cartoon, and that it really was just to sell toys, okay? But then when you look at the motivation behind the the um, 
the protagonist of before anime, anime, earlier anime versus anime now. I feel like anime now has is really doing uh, is really trying to make that samurai feel, where everybody is like, I want to be the samurai, or I want to be the best at what I do. You know. And I'm mm. devoting my entire craft to it. But at some point in time, that's not the way it always was. Especially when you're dealing with people like uh, a, a homeboy from uh, Robotech, Rick Hunter. He wasn't trying to be the best at shit. <laughs> it's true. He was all about Min May's ass. Let me even say, <laughs> the only one who was trying, who, no, no, who wasn't trying to be the best, who was the best, was Roy. <laughs> and, and, and Roy wasn't even sober half the time. Right. So, get, but you understand what I'm saying? There's a huge difference in between what is the motivation of the protagonist in anime now, no matter what, Black Clover, I want to be the best. My Hero Academia, I want to be the best. Naruto. I want they are hell even in fucking food wars. I want to be the best. Well, I would yeah. definitely in a lot of the popular ones, yeah, the main the protagonist definitely wants to be the best. I mean, but now as opposed to before, now we have access to so much more. I mean, right now between three anime subscriptions, I'm literally blowing 6 hours a week bare minimum trying to catch up with everything that's new. Sweet and baby Jesus. A lot of it it's like it's like not where in the 80s where everyone was, you know, oh God, how do I say this? Where everyone was, you know, it was about you know, making things better or, you know, protecting something from something. Right. right. Oh, you had, right? And, and you that's had to... pretty much all that was ever released was all the action stuff, all the, right. you know, all that kind of stuff. Whereas now it's like we have access to pretty much every possible genre under the sun. Yeah, I feel like that's definitely a talking point here. The then versus now. So back then, um, getting anime was an ordeal. You had to make a deal with the Japanese studio. You had to, uh, which usually involved going there. <laughs> I like how you say talking oh, it's to not even just the studio. You also had to get rights to the music. And, hold on, and hold on, yeah. hold on. I think we need to say it's not like we as the purveyors or, or the... We weren't doing this. Somebody. No, absolutely. Somebody, not me, yeah. like Robert Woodhead probably over at Animago, yeah. but somebody had part. to go over to Japan and make these deals uh, to get this content. And then they had to bring masters with them over here. Uh, and then either if you were subtitling it, literally, it's not like they had scripts. They had to just watch it and they would subtitle based on what they heard. Or uh, if they were lucky enough to get scripts, then you know they could go off of that. But, I mean, even the technology to make subtitles didn't exist at the time. So most of the time, you were better off just dubbing, especially the older stuff. Yeah, so I mean, subtitles lot... were possible back then, but it wasn't like a cakewalk like it is now. You just go into your favorite video editor and just type away and you're done. It's no, it's, <laughs> you know, it was, you know, you needed specialized hardware for it back then as opposed to now it's a piece of cake. Yeah, uh, so... Uh, back then, when you had to invest that much time, money, and effort into bringing a title from another country over here, you wanted to pick something you knew would make a bang. You wanted to pick something you knew could win, right? Mm -hmm. Because you were up against things with toy lines. You were up against G.I. Joe. You were up, you were up against Transformers. You were up against He-Man. Um, and as much as you, we want to talk about Transformers being an anime, we will get to it. It is, it is animated by Japanese, but that shit was homegrown. It was made here based on lots of weird toy deals. Well, it's so, kind of funny that you bring that aspect up because a lot of studios, I mean, a lot of animation that wasn't geared toward the Japanese. So things like, first one that comes to head, you know, Jason the Wheeled Warriors and Silverhawks. A lot of those were yeah. animated by Japanese studios. Right. For, but created yeah. here. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's, Will and we will get to those too. Uh, Rankin Bass is, is high up on my Rankin, list of yeah. things I revered as a child, and most of their stuff completely animated by Japanese and Korean studios. Mm -hmm. So, I think it's definitely worth talking about. But yeah, so that when you brought a title over, it had to be something just crazy. So back then, the 
uh, I would say late 70s, probably early, let's go 80s. It had to be something so batshit crazy and new that nobody would touch you. Um, and it wasn't like you had a toy line to go with it, and it wasn't like you had uh, merch to go with it either. You were just bringing a title and and hoping that it was awesome enough. So you usually, right, as an industry person would think, let's get the most batshit crazy thing we can think of and bring it over here. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of early anime titles, in my opinion, you guys challenge me on this if you disagree, were the more extreme things. Oh, yeah, uh, that stuff that we had access to, yeah, it was the hyper-violent, the hyper-sexual, you know, and I'm not right. even talking about the actual adult-adult stuff. It's, it was just, it was insane, and they usually brought things that had shock value and, more importantly, wasn't, you know, 12-plus episodes. Anywhere and, from just a couple of episodes to maybe a movie, those are the kind of things that they brought over at that time. I, I absolutely agree. And I, and I, I think that's the, one of the major differences between then and now. Now, anime is everywhere. Anime is a household name. Anime is, is on your phone. It's in your TV. It's, on, it's even on Netflix. So now we're just inundated with anything and everything the industry can throw at us. And, and honestly, and I think this is the difference between fringe and mainstream. Because now that we are dealing with, there, if I want to watch something about swords being a sword, just swords, kill a kill. I mean, you can go <laughs> all through the whole gamut. Bleach. I mean, anything that has to do with the sword, boom, here you got. If you want to do something which is a period piece, oh my God. Yeah. Berserk, uh, hmm. um, Ninja Scroll, <laughs> Ninja Scroll, wow, 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 <laughs> Ninja Scroll. We'll get there. Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> yeah, it's like if you could think of a genre, it exists now and it's easily accessible. It is. I mean, you you brought up Food Wars before. Can you imagine? Just imagine something like Food Wars making it onto your Saturday morning UPN crawl. Not right? even that, remotely. It's not gonna happen. Not <laughs> Maybe if even, Food even Network wanted to do, they probably wouldn't. <laughs> like if Food Network wanted to do a, 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 a card anime, maybe, maybe. But have you, <laughs> and I guess that's go ahead. No lie, Food Wars is my shit. I can't tell you how many times. <laughs> my fact, last week, last week, I was listening to them talk about how to fry something, and they said, "Yeah, we use potato starch." I looked at my pantry and was like. I have mashed potatoes. <laughs> well, here's the thing, Brian. Like, if I understood correctly, in the manga, in the manga, they actually uh, give you the recipes that they're showing. Oh, you've just changed this whole world. <laughs> we, we, I, I can't wait to the point. Is, but from what I've heard and understood, it's like if you get the manga, it's in there. I can't wait to we get to the point where we're doing videos so you guys can see my face when. When Vic drops it, it just fucks my world up like that. <laughs> so now I don't want to. I don't want to veer too too much into the modern. I do want to take this back. Now, go ahead. Back then, you didn't even know you were watching an anime. No, it was just fancy cartoons. You were just watching a cartoon that looked different. You mm -hmm. know, Voltron looked vastly different than GI Joe. Um, so most of the time, uh, you would have to just catch it on your afternoon or early morning rotation. So uh, I guess my question is to you guys, what were some of those anime that you would catch in your early morning rotations? Oh, God. Uh, I know for a fact, I missed a school bus God knows how many times because of Robotech. <laughs> and Brian, you said Voltron, yeah? Voltron. Um, yeah. Voltron was a good one. Voltron aired usually before Robotech in South Florida at the time. Oh, I am man. trying to think. How did Speed Racer? How did I? How did Speed, Speed Racer? Racer came on even earlier than that? So I, I ended up. Speed Racer was one of the ones that I would catch, and it was always because I was the first one awake in the house, and it was on stupid early. Right. So right, I would right. catch it as I was getting ready. Yeah, a lot of stations and, back then would air cartoons starting in between six and six thirty in the morning. But they they did all the like. Of course, it was the animes were first. And then you got into the morning to the rush. Yeah, I remember that now. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how to. I mean, I guess I would. You know, I'm, this is pure conjecture. By the way, just as a, a general note, 
uh, we're generally not going to be fact checking anything we say. <laughs> this, is, this is just the way we remember it. And we could be completely wrong. And any listeners want to let us know that fantastic. We will absolutely listen to the fact that we were wrong, but we're probably never going to admit it. it no, um, no, I, I have no problem admitting when I'm wrong. Like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure like, you know, a lot of us have like real jobs. So at the end of the day, you know, if we get something <laughs> wrong, it happens. Right. This is mindless music. Yeah, mindless <laughs> emphasis on mindless. Um yeah, I so I feel like what happened was is they needed to pad out their schedule. And so they would put uh, the weird anime stuff early on. Because they knew they needed content to get going, but they knew they knew their market. The cookie they cutter they, stuff, though. Yeah, Again, they knew that it, their kids were going to be awake. Yeah, this was at a certain time. The the, the this was nothing that was going to be too nothing remotely close to like a PG thirteen. Oh no, God, no, no, no. it was no, no, no. not even. It was something that was edited to hell for you know the, the fragile childlike minds of the eighties. I feel the only exception to that was probably Robotech, and that's probably just laziness on a broadcaster's part because, yo, people got straight up killed in that show, and that was a first. Um, that was definitely one of the first where, you know, they were actually gone gone. Right. So I, I feel like they that just kind of got under the radar. But, yeah, you know, unlike but yeah. Ultron, where Ben disappeared. <laughs> yeah, he just, like, I don't know what happened. He, like, retired or something. Um, and I, I'm... When we do the Voltron episode, I can't wait. We're going to definitely do it because I want to talk about that and I want to talk about the remake and, and, and all this stuff. Uh, but we can't do it today. Today we're just talking about then versus now. Um, <laughs> hey, so, hey, Rick, you're doing a wonderful job of keeping us on track. Because I know how all of us are. Uh, was, we've, we will absolutely go off on a tangent and we will Squirrel. never, yeah, never yeah. see it again. <laughs> I'll end up like... It's something from just that was released like last week. So now one of the things that's interesting about anime uh, in our childhood uh, was how you could find it, which was to say you or, had to get lucky. Or, uh, <laughs> or you're inability to find it. <laughs> right. Because you, there was no, I, I know I don't want to be the old man yelling at a cloud, but there was no dang fangled internet. We didn't have that. And they sure as shit weren't talking about anime in the local paper. So the only way you, the only way you, yeah, I didn't have it. The only way you found it was to stumble onto it, or word of mouth. Pretty I, much, yeah. You know, so here we come with it now, right? It was a hmm. height of pride for me as a father when uh, my baby girl Alyssa, she was like, "Dad, I know what I want for uh, for my birthday," and I was like, "Okay, what do you want? I want a country roll subscription." <laughs> I could not get my wallet out fucking fast enough. <laughs> parent of the year there, parent of the year. <laughs> like, she said I wanted this Crunchyroll subscription. I was like, you got damn right you do, baby. Let's do this shit. <laughs> I didn't even wait for her birthday. We did it that day. <laughs> uh, that is that is fantastic. So it's awesome. man. It's affordable too. <laughs> I, I, I don't even know if she still watches it. I know that I watch it, um, and I have not even bothered to ask whether or not she watches it. So I think I'm gonna hide that. You're just assuming that she does. Uh, she yeah. was the pretense for getting it, and that's what she will remain. <laughs> sweet, sweet. Whether she watches it or not. Sweet, sweet child. Sweet, sweet child. <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, obtaining anime back then, Jesus. Uh, usually, it was yeah, knowing a friend that would lend you a VHS copy or something, or I actually yeah. knew someone that lent me a laserdisc player. They lent you. I remember, you a I remember having access to Akira in like the very, very, very early nineties. So that was like, man, we like, that the nineties was wow. The when we yeah, when we start talking about the nineties, that's. That was game changer because that uh, and just a uh, that's when well, honestly that's when we we hit high school in the early nineties well, we hit high school at the start of the nineties mm -hmm. and so that's when yo I got a car right and then it was it all bets were off it's like where you want to go y'all want to go Cutler Ridge Mall and look at the stores for some animals? no problem let's go you want to drive up to Dadeland let's go also because right after that time we I don't think people realize exactly how influential. And, and just hear me out as I say this, right? 
how influential rap and hip hop was to breaking down the barriers to getting greater content overseas. For instance, in mm-hmm. the 80s, we're dealing with Two Life Crew, mm-hmm. NWA, and all the legal battles that they're fighting, they're fighting saying, I want to be able to do what I want, say what I want, here. Those battles get won, and it's like, yes, you have the freedom of speech. After that, we come to the golden age of content. And that is where people are like, you know what? I'm going to send you everything. <laughs> right, right. It's like, if I can license it, I'm going to bring it over, and I'm going to give it to everyone. I'm going to give it to everyone. And that's when, and again, this is when we came into age, and I think, personally, once that once those battles were fought, man, and and I'll be the first to say, out of the three of us here, I was all about hentai. Judge your mama. Uh, well, <laughs> uh, we were we were uh, teenagers in the early nineties. We were all all about hentai. Like it was our version. Uh, oh, that goes back to the <laughs> shop value of this content that they were releasing. You know, they needed something to hook people in. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Like that. Our version people. of Porky's, and we went the fuck in. <laughs> <laughs> and, but you know that stuff you couldn't just you couldn't just drive over to camelot music and pick that up off the shelf no. uh you couldn't drive up to dayland and hit suncoast and pick that up off a shelf either i mean they had some stuff but if you were looking for the the really hard stuff that was wasn't easy to find at all find I, I remember <laughs> what's that <laughs> well <laughs> i'm sorry what you find it in babbages which is yeah there you top, go. but back then when they <laughs> sold video yeah you'd find some of the stuff there yeah, it was it was uh, a hunt. You would go out on a hunt. You know, I would I liken it to uh, vinyl collecting. Uh, anybody who you know, listening or or here in the group that has collects records in any capacity, it is a hunt to find it. And you got to find the shops that carry the kind of stuff you're interested in. You have to drive out to those shops. You got to dig through their bins. Anime was like that. There were no bins. There were just these tiny ass little shelves in the back of the store, hidden behind a. A standy cutout of Arnold Schwarzenegger or some crap, yeah, and, and then you had like uh, it was usually stuck with uh, foreign movies. Yeah, oh yeah, right, yeah, absolutely. It was mixed in right. with foreign stuff. Uh, I, in fact, I will say that there are at least half a dozen foreign films that I love because they were next to the anime <laughs> and just picked and again, it up. We're not oh, talking about. We're not talking about like blockbuster or or no no no. We're talking about your mom and pop stores. Yeah, oh, yep. before blockbuster, yeah. And we also have to, um, what we're talking about then, what, and it, it was probably different for us because we, again, we're from, we, we already mentioned that we're all from South Florida. We had a huge disruption to our provider service there when Hurricane Andrew came. Oh, yeah, I, oh. absolutely. Uh, it, it definitely changed things. Now, I remember. I, I got my first car right after Andrew because that's when I came of age. Mm-hmm. So to drive. Uh, and that's that. not only did Andrew take away, Andrew, by the way, for those of you that Hurricane Andrew struck in uh, August of 1992, absolutely decimated South Florida. Put some respect um, on his name. <laughs> but the, uh, the thing of it, the thing of it that it did for anime and for anime fans was completely remove all your options for obtaining it. Yes, for at least a year or two. It was insanely difficult. You had to drive well over an hour just to find a shop that might carry it because you had to go to North Miami, the the only places that had anything. Um, And we're saying this, like, typically a a drive to North Miami is something like maybe an hour and a half, two hours. On a standard day, yeah. On a standard day. Yeah, exactly. But when you're dealing with the... Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome Wastelands of Homestead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it took a long time for South Florida to recover. I mean, now Homestead is a huge, bustling city. But yeah, back then it was was insane. The hurricane hit and I I got a car and I had no place to go except out of town to go find this stuff. Um, But before that, it was easy enough. Before that, you had Blockbuster Video, and Daddy had just recently opened up uh, Mm -hmm. the one in Naranja. 
uh, was near my house and I was able to go there. That's where I found a ton of anime. I found uh, Warriors of the Wind there, Akira found there. I think it was the first time I ever watched Akira was I pulled it off of their quote unquote animation shelf. Um, <laughs> you say it so with so but, much disdain. Animation. Well, and it was right next to the, it was right next to the foreign films. Um, but yeah, the anime animation section, uh, which was basically where they put all the Ralph Boschke stuff like wizards and, and uh, fire and ice and you know, all these other just stuff they knew they couldn't put by the kids movies. Right. And, and then they just tossed in little sprinklings of anime. It's always funny when you, you know, your options are heavy metal and then Akira. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. So before that, that was my go-to is I would just go to Blockbuster and pick up what was on the shelves, which nine times out of 10, like I said, was like Akira, Warriors of the Wind, Robotech, uh, you know, uh, the Boschke stuff, Wizards, Fire and Ice, uh, Felix the Cat, you know, that kind of crazy. Um, and that's how I fell in love with animation was through that tiny little two-foot shelf. Yeah, it was just this tiny little bit. And uh, everything I knew about animation was coming from that. It wasn't until I think I started uh, after the hurricane that we started getting it more the animation and, and sort of switching it up i think well i think licensing got a little better by then and then some more shops started carrying it yeah yeah before then it was it was definitely like your local video store your blockbuster would have it on a shelf uh, you know i'd mentioned before like um in private it's my neighbor totoro that was released as a kids movie you know so was, you wanted that it was in the family section mm -hmm. so it came to a point where if it wasn't in the animation section, you had to look for, I don't know, for me anyway, is I started training my eye to look for the style of art. And then I knew what I was looking at. That's how I picked up things like, like my neighbor Totoro or Kiki's delivery service was because it was like, Oh, wait a minute. This looks like, this looks like Robotech, but without, giant robots so yeah and that's hope that's assuming that the the um, licensing studio that really the, the studio that really is here didn't botch the artwork on the cover oh yeah lord knows uh yeah case in point warriors of the wind their cover horrible we'll talk about that in that episode so that is a whole one, one thing. more thing i just it's hit for me i was oh. talking about I, I mentioned that why harlock was so why i was drawn to it was because of the fact that they had turned into basically a submarine and boom, boom, boom. Uh, yeah, because it was it was badass. Same way <laughs> you could possibly have been drawn to Robotech because it was an aircraft carrier. But I loved how they addressed the naval themes in the animation. Second point yeah. I wanted to bring back up was that I never really had to deal with the um, going to find it. Because you guys were always doing that and i just like okay i'm gonna watch what they're watching <laughs> so <laughs> so well i got the i got the bug early you know i i, I caught i caught the the i think it was around i don't know eight years old when i realized that i wanted to draw and be an animator and get involved and i fell in love with animation as an art form and then it was then i i just it was in my mind share like everything about animation so i wanted to experience all of it and I wasn't afraid to, to do that. And my, my parents love them to death. Were all too eager to let me rent the animation section titles. So um, I was exposed to these these animation film anime uh, a, a little younger than than some of our friends and peers because just because of my fascination with the process itself. Uh, so yeah. so so a question for you, for both of you, right? You can answer it any order. Of course, it's not like we didn't have animation around us. No, we had we had GI Joe. We had you know, say Transformers. We had all of them, right? Mm -hmm. But at some point in time, the Japanese anime became superior to us. Mm. I, I think I get what you're saying. Right. I mean, you're well, talking I, about... I think a lot that. of that boils down to uh, localization. You know, the original script as opposed to whatever they made up to release here at the time. But, and again... But it's not like, that, we, you know, like how you just brought up, like, things like G.I. Joe. and G.I. Joe was animated by uh, Toei. Sure. So, technically, technically an anime. Technically. <laughs> 
So, you know, uh, Transformers animated in Japan as well, you know, things like that. But their stories, you know, those are aimed towards the U.S. first and animated there as opposed to, let's say, like Voltron. That localization was pretty much a total bastardization of the story. So, Brian, if I may, is the question you're asking, what at what point did we realize we were watching something different? No, 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 no. At what point did we realize that was going to be our preferred anime? Because oh. I'm saying this because I honestly can't think of any anime that I was finally drawn back to that was domestically made until Avatar. I got you. So at some point in time, we were like, you know what? We're just going to go ahead and <laughs> yeah. rope text my shit. Project Aiko, right? I'm all around here, and we're and we're growing over here, and we're we're taking a much more. Um, we we were we were, and I think that as a result, it made us. When we say this, the, the mindless musings of an anime nerd. This is where the nerd part came in. Because we like understand, we we had a choice. We could we could have done comic books, right? No, we were really about anime. That's what yeah, we, I you see what I'm saying. And yeah, I I go the ahead. media that at some point in time, back in the '90s, early '80s, we just were drawn to. People have choices now; they can do. All of them. They could be a Marvel. They could be Naruto. But back then, we said, nah, you do the comic books. We're going over this way. <laughs> um, you know, I think for me, uh, because I, I found comic books right around the same time that I, I truly found anime. And when I say found anime, I mean it was that point where I realized that this was something different than what I was watching on Saturdays. That this was... The, the themes were more mature. The content wasn't afraid to be bold. And I think that's that's when I, I realized that I was watching something different, watching something special. And I found comic books around that same time. Um, and it was, but then it was, in my mind, it was this thing where it's like, well, I can read this, which is super awesome, like reading X-Men and, you know, and Superman and all that. And said, but, but this is like an animated comic book. And I think that's something that, that bears talking about maybe just a tiny bit was the quality of anime being brought over was the absolute top of the line best shit you've ever seen and not like and i mean then versus now right now it doesn't matter you could have animated this shit using adobe flash and they would release it crunchyroll netflix these guys are just like salivating give me anything and i'll release it but back then Back then, anime was the detail of the hand-drawn films uh, like Akira, The Warriors of the Wind, uh, Nausicaa. Those, those things were so intricate. It was like you were watching a comic book. And I think that's, for me, is when I, I really got hooked on it, was the, that point where I said, you know what, this is all I want to watch. I don't give a damn what He-Man's doing in Eternia next week. Boom. All I care about is this. And, and everything yeah, felt animation for TV back then, the cartoon stuff. It was geared to, you know, they needed the 70, 80 something episodes. They needed it as cheap as possible. That way they can make more money off their toys. So the quality wasn't there most of the time. I mean, it, in a lot of the earlier anime that we had access to, it's like, Sure, the quality wasn't the greatest, but it was better than what we were used to at the time. And, and, and to, yeah. to, to, to drive this point home, is think about the difference between um, which would have been the top producer of animation. Let's say Walt Disney. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Right. So Walt Disney, there is a uh, video where they put the Jungle Book and Winnie the Pooh, basically side by side. Mm -hmm. And there is a um, the animation of basically 
Mowgli tr- going through the jungle, right, mm-hmm. matches the same animation of Christopher Robin going through the woods. Absolutely. So, yeah, they reused a right? lot of those. But then on that, you also have, like, if you could do the same thing for, like, Robin Hood and uh, Aristocrats. And also the Jungle Book. Oh, Aristocrats. Yeah, and, and the Jungle Book, right. So, yeah. we're, we're again, we have this right here. He-Man had the same thing that would happen. Where yes, only more glaringly bad. Like they absolutely did not right. care. Anytime right. he was always jumping from a high distance down, same fucking animation, <laughs> the same sound effects, oh, yeah. and the same. They recycled yeah. as much as they humanly could. So absolutely. we realized that that's not what we were getting over from anime. No, no, and and I would I would argue, and I will I will fight this fight to the death that. Disney was very clever about it. And yeah, they reused a lot of their oh, stuff, gosh. but their stuff was so fucking good. Yeah, it was so fluid. That they continued why why reinvent the wheel? It's mm-hmm. like, hey, we, we had we had these guys animate this this dance scene with the monkey and the bear. We're gonna use this shit and until everything. we can't use it anymore. Well. Uh that's I mean, but you know, anyway. <laughs> that notwithstanding. Yes, I agree with you. I think it was that. I think it was that there was this moment where you, what you were watching was a significantly higher caliber than what we were watching on Saturday mornings. Um, and I mean, that is, that's not true of all things, but it's true of most things we watched as kids. Right. And now, once things that were on the air at that time for us down there. Yeah. Once, once the 90s hit, the floodgates opened, right? And everything changed. Even, even American animation changed. I mean... The Disney Afternoon, some excellent animation. Gargoyles. Oh, my gosh. Gargoyles oh, sure. dropped. Until the final Bat- season, but yeah, the rest yeah, of it was Bat- awesome. Batman the Animated Series dropped. Which was, I remember. Oh, it was right, after, right after Hurricane for us. Right after the hurricane, yeah. So, I mean, that's it, those two shows alone, right, um, raised the bar for what you could expect from uh, Americanized, American, I want to say American animation. Um, even though we both know, or we all know that that's not exactly what it is, but, but yeah, that's, we knew, we knew the bar had been raised. We knew that we, we couldn't do, we couldn't just deal with, with He-Man anymore. We couldn't deal with, with Transformers anymore. It's, this was, this was the next thing. No, it was, you, you know what it was like? Hang on one more. You know what it was like? It was like watching a whole movie drawn of the quality of the anime intro. So, like you watch Thundercats, Thundercats, quite possibly, in my opinion, one of the greatest intros for a cartoon ever made. Um, but the rest of the show didn't look like no. that. No, no, in the intro, the intro was the shit. And anime was like watching the intro for 90 minutes. Blew my mind. I got it. Yeah. That's... I agree wholeheartedly. I really, man. <laughs> another, another then versus now, and maybe we could call this as a segment, or maybe we can ask the audience when when we release it and say, when do you think? I, I really want to go back to that whole protagonist uh, dilemma. Okay. Right. Sure. Yu-Gi-Oh. Right. Mm-hmm. Yu-Gi-Oh was the last protagonist I know that remained undefeated. <laughs> Anime now, they all have to learn the hubris of defeat. Mm. And it, it, I don't... I understand why they're doing it, you know, but you can almost know exactly when it's going to come and when it's going to happen. You can almost predict it. And I think that's the thing about anime that's now it's, it's, it's becoming predictable. Sure. But is that because it's becoming predictable or because you've been exposed to so much of it that now you're just seeing the patterns? I think it's probably a little bit of both. Hmm? I mean, you'll get one nowadays where it's, you know, it, it leads you in a certain direction and then the very next season it just literally you know, makes a U-turn and goes in totally opposite direction. It's like, I wasn't expecting that, and I, that draws the audience now, but 
back then it was more along the lines it was it was a cookie cutter formula but it worked for the most part you know it's like you had a show you have your protagonist they're going through you know they're going through stuff and at least with anime as opposed to what was available on broadcast u.s television it tended to be oh what's the word i'm looking for it tended to be i don't want to say realistic but it had more themes for people to relate to you know yeah. whereas broadcast tv they rarely ever dealt with death sure you know so with anime you dealt with death and sometimes quite often hmm. you know and you, you, you deal with the protagonist being depressed about it my dog nedgy my dog nedgy <laughs> <laughs> yeah things like that it's like you know in us you know for us serialized anime animation it wasn't really a thing back then I think that's. I think that was legally mandated. I don't want to say for sure, and a listener can clue me in on that. But I feel like a lot of that was legally mandated. Yeah, like they, there, you had to have yeah, a moral. They, you had to have a, the evil could never triumph. You know those kinds of things. Yeah, I don't think it was legally mandated, but there were groups that made sure yeah. that it happened that way, or you know, they would give the studios a really, really hard time. The closest death. We only had really. We only had two. But one death we had to deal with was Optimus Prime. Right. Sure. No one hit a lot of a lot of us. Okay. Mostly because they killed off freaking everybody. Like oh, they wow. killed off all my toys. They wiped all my toys are dead. Clean. But then we also had to deal with like on the flip side in G.I. Joe. Man, I, I like when Duke got pierced. <laughs> Gas. Yeah. God, okay, so like I told Rick, I, I literally just watched the G.I. Joe movie again, like uh, three or four weekends ago. Uh-huh. Oh, that's great. I'm glad you've got my a fresh YouTube playlist, And I'm like, oh, I'm, I, why not watch it? And then I went, I, you know, led me down this rabbit hole. And apparently Duke was supposed to die originally. Is it now? But I feel like the way, you know, the uproar for your toys dying for the Transformers movie, they actually changed it. Without I, I, Duke ended up with a snake in the heart and still managed to survive. <laughs> I absolutely believe that to be true. It's that there's no, nobody can convince me otherwise. Because yes, of course, Transformers, that movie, like it wrecked kids. Kids were pissed. I was pissed. (laughs) I need all new toys. All mine are dead. To to this day, if if I see Magnus Prime, (laughs) push him in his shit. To this day, (laughs) if if. If I hear Stan Bush's The Touch queue up, I already know that I'm in for the feels. Uh, <laughs> it's just... You know, uh, that yeah, is... So it I, I wanna, up. We need to have an episode about that. Um, just soundtracks. Sure. Absolutely. Yo, you want to talk about music. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about I get music. To tell you, I get to tell my story. I get to tell my story. <laughs> All right, so Jesus, Brian, I think I think this is probably a good place for us to wrap this up for the for our first episode. Uh, as you can see, the differences between then and now astronomically different. Uh, availability just in and of itself, um, uh, quality of work just uh, notwithstanding either, just completely different. Um, uh, guys, you have any final thoughts? I didn't realize how much this needed to be done. <laughs> um, and I'm saying this as people don't people don't realize that the first people to 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 they stand on our shoulders. You know, if you were if you're watching anything anime now and it is mainstream there is a whole legion of people who received wedgies, who <laughs> people who got swirlies, <laughs> where it was not cool. And I am oh yeah. I am so happy for you. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, being a teenager, a young adult, and uh just being being that kid, the cartoon kid, like that was not Oh no, that did, it was just bad news for yourself back then did not go over well we were absolutely a, a, a niche group of people um 
who were the, the weird ones, the odd ones out. You know, it's we were I would argue and you can fight me on this if you want. I would argue anime nerds in the 80s and 90s were more chastised than even comic book nerds. I would think so, because oh. cartoons back then had the stigma of being just for kids. And well, you know, you're a 16 year old in high school. You shouldn't be a kid. <laughs> and so it was just that bad stigma and it just led for a bad day quite often quite often I don't think we ever need to drop in there because I don't want nobody to be triggered by it but I want I just need to say that I am so I, I, I we did this we <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I would I mean obviously not not the three of us in South Florida but collectively no. our generation our our uh, specific subgroup of fanatics. Our fellow the one, weebs. <laughs> yes. The ones of us who were willing to, to take the ridicule because we knew what we were watching was something just world changing. Um, even if we didn't fully understand what it would become, because Lord knows if you would tell me from 1991 or 1990 that, that this was going to blow up the way it did. Oof, I'd have made some serious stock decisions when I hit 18. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. It's... So, yeah, I think we're going to take this moment to wrap up our very first episode. Uh, you've just been privy to the mindless midlife musings of the anime nerd. Uh, Vic, where can people find you online? Well... Most often than not, you don't. But like, you can find me under my Muppets handle on Twitter at kaiju underscore geek grotto. That's under kaiju underscore geek g r t t o. And there you'll see awesome. repost a lot of gaming, a lot of anime. I answer, and I answer almost everything as long as it's not, you know. Super strange. <laughs> Completely asking me. Um, <laughs> and uh, just uh, before we get to you, Brian, uh, we're also going to make sure that we have a website for you to access. Um, obviously, this is our very first episode, so none of all this is completely hashed out, but guaranteed by end of next recording, we'll have some addresses for you and uh, whatnot. But in the interim, uh, Brian, how do we stalk you? Well, um, that would be the first time that has ever happened, and I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you can find me on Instagram at skits1914. That's S-K-I-T-Z 1914. Um, you can follow me. I probably don't post on there until I decide to. Or you can find me where I'm really on, on Facebook. You can uh, look up our DJ company, Team Ruckus, DJ Skits, and Halo. You can find us there. Fantastic. Thanks, guys. And so in our next episode, we'll be talking about the biggest, baddest anime of all time, Akira, the 1988 classic anime that paved the way for the growth of anime worldwide. If you're listening to us on your favorite podcast app, please subscribe, follow, like, heart, whatever the fuck it is you're supposed to do on those. And uh, maybe also give us a review if you can. Review is great. Until then, yeah, reviews, please. Um, until then, folks, keep calm and watch more. Yeah. Sure. <laughs>